We acknowledge the traditional owners of the country throughout Australia and their continuing connection to the land, sea and community. We pay our respects to them, their cultures, to their elders, both past and present. Hi, I'm Chris Stevens-Todd, narrator and producer of Goulburn Valley Pride's limited series, Think About It, Did It. Exploring the lives of everyday regional LGBTIQA plus Victorians. They share their experiences, what it was like to grow up in a regional town, coming out as a lesbian and later trans, standing out from others, being bashed by a male football team and losing loved ones. We tackle the 40th anniversary of decriminalisation of homosexuality in Victoria and have things really changed. So come along on this journey with us and hear what it was like for everyday queer regional Victorians to live in this world. You're listening to Think About It, Did It. What you may hear in some of these stories could be triggering for some people. Some stories cover self-harm, suicide, and other issues that people have gone through. If any of these things are triggering, please seek support and don't do it alone. Hi Jen, welcome and thank you for taking part in Think About It, Did It. What made you want to share your story? Thank you, Chris. Um, I guess because there's a lot that I've seen, heard, experienced um, with the LGBTIQ plus community and because that's what the Think About It, Do It um, project wants, I guess. Mm. Those lived experiences. Exactly. And how do you identify within our community? Gosh, that's something that Damien and I were talking about. It's it's one of those things that um, probably the lesbian side of by. No, it's it can be a very fluent, moving continuum. Our our alphabet count it. It can, yeah. What area in regional Victoria have you lived the majority of your life? I've lived the majority of my life in the Goulburn Valley. I was born in um, Mildura, so moved down here eventually, when I was a little girl. And how have you found living in a regional area when it comes to, I guess, people's views and the way people are treated when they're a part of the community? I guess a lot of my decision-making has come from my secondary school years when I discovered that there were poofters and and they had to be beaten up. Because... So I didn't want to be part of that beating up thing. So for a long, long time, I stayed well and truly closeted, tried to live a hetero life. And then I moved to Melbourne for a short time, probably seven or eight years. Um, And I got to know a lot of the LGBTIQA plus community there. Um, The depot that I worked in was the gay depot. Um, And I guess it, it allowed me to know life other than hetero. Yeah, I guess um, as many back then regional people head to Melbourne and then explore and see their identity and get to live a little bit. Yeah. I guess you'd lived there for your seven, eight years. What made you come back to the regional area, I guess, after living in such a free Melbourne city? Well, I was married to a man 
and um, we'd had our first child. Um, I didn't particularly want to bring him up in the city and I also wanted to be close to my parents because they were getting older um, and figured that I needed to be close to them. So, and, and I felt more comfortable in the country in the respect that's what I was used to, I guess. Mm. Yeah. This year is the 40th anniversary of decriminalisation of homosexuality in Victoria. Thank goodness. Yeah. Um, it's great that, you know, 40 years has gone by. And did you grow up cautiously knowing that it was illegal for men to be with each other? Initially, no, I did not. Like when I was at secondary school, I didn't know that. I did find that out. There was a fellow I worked with who um, had been convicted of sex with another man and he was continually beaten up. He ended up in a coma in one, at one stage in hospital. Um, he pulled through, he was beaten up again and it was, a, it was a continuous thing for him. It was horrible. Eventually he couldn't take it anymore and he took his own life. And I just wish that he was still around to realise that the act, I put that in inverted commas, that he had committed um, so long ago is now decriminalised. So he didn't get to see that and I feel very sad. But it was very sad that he he felt it necessary to take his own life. Do you think, was it the, mostly I guess the beatings up for him, was that... um people within the public or was it mostly like police and people he came across with around the system? Mainly people in the public. Um, He lived in a St Kilda area which um, has always been kind of the gay part of Melbourne so he he, he incurred those beatings up by some of the redneck, I, I don't know whatever the people were that decided that homosexuals should be beaten up were there. I also lost a, a female friend um, who's lesbian because of the drama that she incurred at home um, and she took her own life also. Yeah, and in home, do you mean like her family life or where she lived in the time? Her family life. So her father um, thought that it was sinful. Um, He used to beat her up. And, yeah. So 40 years later, do you feel in terms of the people's attitudes and the way people live, we've come a long way and we there's none of that anymore? Or is it still around? It's still around, I do believe. It's um, People are becoming more, I was going to say accepting. Um, I can't think of a better word at the moment. That's not quite right. They, they're becoming more educated. They're realising that it's okay. Yeah. That, that we don't have two heads. We, we're not a, <laughs> a lesser intelligence. We're, we're still people. We go to work every day, we, we have family lives, we do all that sort of thing. And people are starting to realise, yeah, it's okay. It's okay to be gay. Hmm. And I guess for your own journey, how you mentioned you were married once, I guess how was that for you living a life and then coming out and the life that you live now? Do you feel more free and happy living in a regional area today versus what it might have been back, you know, 20, 30 years ago? I'm becoming much more relaxed. It's it's still taking a long time for me to actually come to terms with who I really am um, because it was a long time closeting. So it, it, it's that, like, you know, for 50 years I, I was closeted. And I sort of was trying to force myself to live a hetero life 
which was never going to work because that's not me. But gradually I'm coming out and accepting who I am and accepting the fact that some people might not like it, but that's too bad, really. Yeah, and I guess in terms of family, are they aware of, you know, you being bi and, you know, in, in a relationship and, and how have they handled that if they are? So my children are... They, they're fine with it. They, when I actually came out to them, they said, yeah, we knew that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, here I am thinking, oh, I've got to break them this news. It's going to be all. But um, <laughs> they went, yeah, yeah, we knew that. And I thought, oh, okay, all right. So that was easy. So my children are very accepting, adore my partner. Uh, there are still some family members that I'm very cautious about coming out to. Others I've come out to, cousins, etc that I've come out to. I guess it just depends on the person and the time and the, um, the moment. Mm. You know, I'm not going to go and just go and visit somebody and say, hey, guess what? It's sort of, you need that moment. Yeah. You actually have to come out to them. Exactly. Have you had any negative experiences with people where you no longer speak to them, um, friends that, you know, just couldn't accept it? Um, surprisingly... The friends that I've come out to, uh, a few of them have said, oh, yeah, well, that doesn't surprise me. And, and I thought, oh, okay. So obviously I wasn't very good at hiding it, was I? <laughs> um, and so far I don't think I've actually lost any friends. There were probably friends that I lost earlier, mainly because I didn't like their um, thoughts on homosexuality. Yeah. So uh, it was me who probably decided I didn't need them as friends. Yeah, I guess as you went on, you found you didn't align with them beforehand and made, yeah, yeah slowly distanced, as as many of us, I guess, have done. Um, yeah. What's something that I guess you're passionate about in your life? Um, family. My, my children. They're hardly, they're hardly children anymore. They're all grown up. But, um, and also my partner. And also being part of the LGBTIQA plus community in Shepparton. I guess it's a hobby. Almost, but it's a hobby that I really, really enjoy because there's so many people that are so giving and thoughtful and are on the same plane as me, so they get where I'm coming from. And the involvement with Out in the Open, Golden Valley Pride, all of that sort of thing, it's been very, very good for me. It's helped me on my journey. So why shouldn't I be passionate about something that's so helpful and so encompassing? Yeah. Um, so these are the things that I'm probably most passionate about. Uh, and at the moment, I'm actually kind of passionate about work because the amount of people, it, it's a very inclusive place where I work. Um, and it's something I enjoy doing anyway. But I'm actually able to come out to people there quite easily, I found. And, I, and it's not necessarily me saying, hey, I'm not straight. It's a matter of them saying, oh, when I say my partner and they say he, I say, no, my partner is she. Yeah, you've got that more comfortable, fluent feel of conversation and feeling safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's wonderful. And I do think a lot of it is because of the company's policies and also the manager of where I work is so inclusive. Mm. What type um, of um, industry are you in? Public transport. So I'm a bus driver. Yeah, and I guess, yeah, you would come across a lot of different people and... In that um, line of work. Hmm. 
Yeah, and I mean, our depot's probably got all sorts of different nationalities and we all seem to get along really, really well and understand each other's differences. Um, and it's just such a wonderful place to work. This is how it should be. Yeah, and I guess when it's like that, people then go, well, you know, I work with this person and they're lovely and amazing and, you know, they are a lesbian or in a same-sex relationship and it shows that we are no different. That's right. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I guess life's going along pretty swimmingly for me at the moment, but it's, I guess, it's taken me a long time to get to this stage. Yeah. I'm not far off retirement now, or retirement age, should I say, but it's taken a long time for me to actually get to here, to where I am. Yeah, so I guess in in a way you kind of lived a life and you're at the end part where many people um, settle down and in a way you're sort of rebirthing and getting out there that little bit more and exploring and enjoying life a lot more. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. No, it's... um, and, and, And look, I think all of us always evolve. We're forever evolving. It's just that um, maybe I've just been a caterpillar for too long and finally I'm coming out of my cocoon. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that's, that's kind of, you know, I mean, that, 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 that analogy has been used a lot. But I kind of like it. It's, it's really nice. You know, evolving into a butterfly is kind of cute. Cool. It is. It is, mm. it is. Um, and I guess, you know, with GV Pride and all the, the work that you are doing there and out in the open, which, you know, you've mentioned was your passion i guess the last 18 months with covid has probably made that quite hard to connect to people how's that been i really do miss having face-to-face contact with a lot of people we've still had the zoom sessions where we've been able to catch up with people there thank goodness for new technology and of course i've still been able to see my partner not as often as i'd like because shepherd and been in lockdown and they're not in the shepherd and area but with it, yeah, it's difficult. And you know that thing, we pivot? That, that seems to be the catch cry. You, you just reinvent another way of contacting people, of communicating, and but the face-to-face is still missing. Yeah. And you know, I always, I'm a huggy person. I can't hug people. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as of next week, we um, are a little bit more free um, in terms yeah. of visitors and things like that. But, yeah. Have you found more people have come out sourcing for that connection in the last 18 months as well that you might not have seen beforehand? Yeah, I actually have met a few people on the Zoom sessions that we've had just to connect people from our community, just saying, are you okay? And people just having a little friendly chat via Zoom. There are people there that I've not met. And and that's kind of nice. It's really good that they've actually gone, yeah, okay, I do need connection. And they've done that. It's, um, I don't know, it's, it's very isolating in lots of ways. I've been contacting also by messenger or um, text message to a lot of people perhaps I've met a couple of times, just asking how they're going, finding out are they struggling, do they need anything, is there help... Um, there was one time I was supposed to go into isolation, which was a false thing. I didn't have to go into isolation. But at the time, I thought, oh, gosh, how am I going to get my groceries? Somebody who lives about five kilometres from me, who's an ex-member of GV Pride, had put out on Facebook, hey, if anybody is stuck at home and needs groceries, can you just give me a yell? So I did. I gave him a yell. And sure enough, he went and did my grocery shopping for me. And that was wonderful. 
Um, and it's just community helping community. And particularly, I think, we're good at helping each other. Our community's good at helping each other. Sometimes yeah. people don't reach out, but we're pretty good. Yeah. Have you ever experienced harassment yourself from being within the community at different events? Not strictly. It's not in front of my face. I know that it happens on the sidelines, if you know what I mean. I know it's happening, but it's not happening in my face. It's not, it's not somebody coming up to me and saying, what's wrong with you? You've got children, you were married to a man sort of thing. What, yeah. why, what made you change? I have had one person say, why did you change? <laughs> but that wasn't in a harassment way. It was, it was um, you know, obviously don't get this. I was born this way. Yeah. <laughs> how, how dare you change? <laughs> but, yeah, no, I didn't change. I, I just admitted to who I am. So I've just been a little bit fortunate that nobody's harassed me too much. Maybe I'm a bit scary. Maybe. <laughs> so, um, and I guess, you know, Jeffrey Pride's pretty out there and has a lot of events within the community and have quite a public uh, face. Do you yes. feel, you know, living in Shepparton, you know, very comfortable attending things and, think, and knowing that um, it's a safe space? Initially, I didn't, but that was my problem. That was me still coming to terms with who I am. Because, I mean, I've been involved for 10 years now with GV Pride and that was brought about because of Out in the Open because I volunteered for the first one mm. and I've volunteered every year since. And um, each year I learn a little bit more about me. I learn a little bit more about ex- the acceptance that our community is getting in Shepparton. And I think largely it's, it's due to probably Damien and a few others that are out there and, and, and putting us in their face saying, here we are. And the acceptance, I still hate that word acceptance because it's not quite right. But we're here. Yeah. And we're part of the community, just like anybody else. In, like you said, you started uh, volunteering about 10 years ago. So you, did you identify back then as an ally? Uh, yes. Yeah. And then did you ever have that hesitation of like, oh, if I help out and do stuff, people are going to naturally just think I'm a lesbian and I'm gay and, and things like that? Yeah, yeah, I did. And um, I guess that didn't actually worry me. And, it, and it's funny because in the back of my mind, I kept on saying, well, I'm just a volunteer. If you want to think anything else, that's up to you. Yeah. But, um, but, but I, I knew that I wasn't just a volunteer. I was actually part of the community. And I guess that was the stepping stone of getting in there and, you know, becoming oh, more comfortable. Definitely. Most definitely. Going back to the time when you lost your friends due to suicide because of the treatment that they experienced. How did that impact you? And I, I was in disbelief. It was, I mean, I think it's in, everybody is in disbelief if somebody takes their own life. It's, but I just saw this person two days ago. How could that happen? Mm. How, and, and then I went through what their thought process must have been. And that really saddened me. It really, really upset me. It also probably set me back thinking, well, I'm not going to come out. I'm just going to stay living a heterosexual life. The female person that took her life, there was a lot more complications in that situation, which um, is very triggering, and I'm not sure that I should go there. But um, I, I went to school with that person. I went to primary school with her. And that she she went through torture 
because of of her sexuality. That that probably hurt me more than anything else to know what she'd actually gone through that caused her to end her life that she couldn't take that anymore. So yeah, that that really really triggered me and and every time because I know where she took her life and every time I go past that I think of her and think wow. It's horrible. Yeah. yeah. And how old w- would have you have been back then? When she took her life? Yeah. Um, probably mid 20s. So that's probably 40 years ago. Yeah, and, and that's a, a huge thing, I guess, to go through at any age, let alone, you know, when you're young and in your 20s and, and navigating yeah. yourself. And Yeah, because I was actually living in Melbourne when I found out. Um, I heard, out, heard through a friend of a friend. And, um, and I just couldn't believe, because she was a, an absolutely beautiful woman um, inside and out. And um, I just, to, to do that, things must have been so horrible mm. um, and then I found out a little bit more about what she'd been through and I thought wow but um, yeah so I think I mean it still affects me that she had to do that because of what she was going through hopefully it's it's a lot better for some but as we do know that there's still a lot of people out there struggling and, and in situations that are probably very similar to to that person so mm. There's another one that it's it's a sister of a friend who took her life too, um, for that very reason. She she tried to live the heterosexual life. She couldn't do it, and she just didn't want to continue. So, and it was to appease the parents. Their their rule, their beliefs were that she should be heterosexual, get married, have babies. Yeah. And that wasn't that wasn't anywhere near what she wanted to do or who she was. So she just couldn't take it anymore and, and left this world. Mm. So, and I felt very sad for her sister because she knew and she was probably one of her greatest allies, but she said I, there was nothing I could do. She just couldn't live life as a lie. Yeah. So, you know, and I mean, the, the depot that I worked in in Melbourne, there were many tragic stories there too. With some of the transgender community, there were quite a few not that I knew personally I knew them by sight but had taken their own life because of um, people's inacceptance of of them being transgender I think you know with the theme of the the series think about it did it I think your story is a very much a true part of that where you've spent a majority of your life about thinking about it and now you're you've you know, you did it. You're living that life that you want to live, even though it took you a while to get there, as you said. That, but you know, you're finally here, and um, and that's what it's all about. I think mm. is getting to that end part and living your authentic self as much as you can. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I look I also a lot of um, my bravery was given to me. I just realised too. Um, there are two women that I met. So one of them was the first to come out in national TV. So they ran a a safe house in St Kilda and there were people dropping in every hour of the day. They used to make newsletters and hand out to people. This is back in the 60s. And um, they were part of the 78ers, I think, or one of them was. Yeah. Um, And the bravery that those women shared, I just... It, it just blew me away. I thought, wow, 
you know, it must have been a really different time. And I, I've seen some of the documentaries that they've been involved with um, on TV and, and how brave those people were back then. I mean, married women that came out had their children taken away from them. Yeah. For the young people that are listening to this, um, could you explain what the 78ers are? Uh, so the 78ers are the ones that um, started the Sydney Mardi Gras, basically. That's how it was started. And there were, there were riots. There were people, um, particularly the drag queens and things like that, were being beaten up a lot. The gay community were being beaten up. They had no rights. So it was a protest in a way. And it was actually a peaceful protest. It wasn't, um, there was no violence until the police stepped in. Because back then the police were, because the rules were there that say that, that men don't have sex with men. Mm. Um, and that, that women would keep their children if they were married to a man originally and they had a child with them. So all of these things, their rights, they didn't have rights. There was no rights. So that they were protesting against all of these laws that were, were, were against them. And that basically started the Sydney Mardi Gras um, so it became a celebration of our community in the end, but it was it was horrible, bloody riot, uh, riots that 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 caused it, and it was caused mainly because the police were told to go in and clear those riots. Hmm. Um, well, protests they weren't riots; they turned into a riot because the police arrived and said, "This is really wrong. We're going to arrest you. We're going to throw you in jail." Um, they beat them up. Thank goodness the police aren't quite that bad now. Yeah, there's still a, a lot of hesitation and trauma when it comes to the police, um, when it comes to Pride March and other events where people say they shouldn't be there. What are your thoughts on that? I, I think we've got every right. I mean, everything that we do is peaceful. We Look at the Yes rallies. We had peaceful Yes rallies. And yeah. we actually had wonderful support, the one that I attended in Melbourne, um, and that was for the Yes vote on marriage, equal marriage, equality. Uh, the, the police even had rainbows on their their um, what do you call those things? The flax, those things that the that are bulletproof. Those yeah, I, I can picture it. I just can't think of the name as well. Yeah, yeah, those those bulletproof vest things that they wear. They had rainbows on them. Um, even their name tags had rainbows on them. You know, like it was. They were very, very supportive. Um, we were all very peaceful, and that was wonderful. Um, Mardi Gras—it's probably very, very flamboyant, and a lot of people don't like that. But you know, hey, that's that's part of our community. We are a bit flamboyant, aren't we? Yes, we certainly are. Mm. Especially you blokes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, we're nearly at the end. One of the questions that I've asked everyone else is: Do you feel? you're the person you want to be? I think I'm getting there. I'm, I'm closer to that person than I have been for a long, long, long time. Well, thank you very much, Jen, for being part of sharing your story for the future generations to listen to and learn a little bit from. Yeah, you've been part of Think About It, Did It? Thank you, Chris. And um, hopefully soon when restrictions ease a little bit more, we can catch up. <laughs> Excellent. Yes, definitely. That's it for this episode of Think About It, Did It? Join us on the next episode, and please remember, if anything you heard has caused any distress, please seek support. I'm Chris Stevens-Todd. Till next time.